Alison, welcome to the Business Growth Mindset Top Achievers Podcast. Thank you for joining me and thank you for making yourself available because I know that you're a really busy person. You're a busy mum, you're a busy business owner, entrepreneur, founder, board member. Before we dive into today's podcast, I really want you, this is your opportunity to share with our listeners, our audience, a little bit more about who you are and then you can lend into you know, your business, your, your baby, your venture right now. Beautiful. Thank you so much for, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to, to be here. Who am I? Um, gosh, it's such a you know complex question, isn't it? You know, you know, there's there's many sort of facets that make up who we are. Um, you've introduced me as a mum. I I'm a mum to two beautiful girls who are eight and eleven. I'm a partner. Um, I am an entrepreneur, but I'd like to think of myself as maybe more of an accidental entrepreneur. Um, it wasn't something I set out to achieve. I set out to solve a problem. Um, I'm a friend, I'm a daughter, and uh, really probably summed up in being a life lover. Yeah, and I, I love the way you just put that because one of the things that I admire about top achievers is they are busy people. And also, I love the way you just put the whole idea that you're an accidental entrepreneur. And we're going to get into the, the story about Care App. And I, I've, I've had the fortunate pleasure of seeing you through that journey from when I was the entrepreneur and resident at Adelaide Uni. And, and you, were, you were really just starting up. Mm-hmm. And what I always admired about you and why I wanted you here today was because one of the big things I admired is you've got this massive personality in terms of you love the opportunity to learn. That's the biggest thing that I've seen. I've seen you with, you know, when, when you hang out with, you know, say Michelle Perugini, and I think some, some way we all look to Michelle as an inspiration. I certainly have. Um, but I see you two together and it's just a, you bounce off the vibe and I've got goosebumps right now um, because it's so true, right? Like uh, Absolutely. for me, that's what really impressed me about meeting you. It was someone who just didn't have any kind of real idea of what she'd landed in, but you were going to take every minute, every breath of air you took and you were going to learn from it. Um, you've probably never heard me actually say that to you before, so I hope you're taking this as a as a compliment. I think the, it's a I think it's a huge compliment, yeah. and it's and I, and I genuinely mean it, and um, it blew me away, and it still does even now, even before we went on air. You know, we're talking about stuff, and you know, some of the things that you've experienced and where you are, and you haven't changed, and that's what really, <laughs> if anything, you've grown more. And I, and, I, and I know that you know, anyone who's listening to the audio experience, you know, we also have it on video for that reason. So you can see people. And if you can see my face at the moment when I said that, it's like, it's so powerful. And, and that's why I'm so great. And I love the way you just brought that together. But just, just, just tell me, when you talk about being an accidental entrepreneur, what does that mean to you now that you really are an entrepreneur? Um, I, it's probably a story of persistence, really, yeah. um, a story of courage. And I think at the end of the day, this unwavering desire to solve what I believe to be a really, really important problem that exists in our community, which is around supporting you know, our, our elderly people, our seniors, to still live like the best, most amazing lives. I mean, really, it's probably one of the biggest social and economic challenges that um, our generation has ever faced. So mm-hmm. if I can be part of solving that problem, that would be unbelievable. So it was a beautiful accident. Um, but, yeah, it really now that I'm, you know, partway through the journey and very much still on that, you know, 
amazing learning trajectory, which I don't think I'll ever get off. I think every day there's something, there's something new and I, that's what gets me excited on a Monday morning. In fact, I've just done you know, our stand-up with our, our team and I just I said to the team, I'm just so excited for the week many, ahead. How many people in the team here? We've got six at the moment. Yeah. We've got up to 10 um, through you know, natural attrition and being able to you know, scale some of our and systemize some of our parts. Um, we're at six. Um, but we'll probably actually double our team again next year, which I'm wow. really, really excited about. So why don't we tell everybody, Care App is what we're talking about. Um, I know plenty about it, and I, and I know, certainly know all the awards that you've won in the process, but why don't we tell people how how it started and the, why what you identified as a problem, and you had to do with something that meant a lot to you, your grandparents. Yeah. Um, maybe share that with us. I think I think it's really important for people to understand how you came about identifying this really big problem and it's a problem that's affecting everyone in the world not just here absolutely it's without doubt you know a a global global problem um so i'm an occupational therapist by profession and i guess going back to that earlier comment about being an accidental entrepreneur i mean i i graduated and um, i went to uni and i became an occupational therapist you know with the obviously the desire to you know, support people to live their, their best lives. Um, so I don't have experience in technology or coding or those kind of things. Um, so I was working in the profession of, of OT. I had 440 amazing um, care workers who were all supporting, um, you know, various people out there in the community and all doing, for the most part, a really, really exceptional job. And uh, at the time, I was, you know, really, I guess blown away by the impact these people could have on you know our senior citizens i felt they were the best place to support you know um, seniors to to live their best lives over and above even family members sometimes you know um, our medical profession i just felt these you know the the support workers and care workers were the best place to do that but they were largely disconnected disempowered um, to be able to share and connect what was happening. So many moments that they were happening with the seniors, you know, started and stopped with them. So that was happening in my professional life. Um, so I was an OT, had 440 staff. In my personal life, my grandparents started accessing some care and support, firstly um, at home, um, but then my grandma started having um, some little mini strokes and uh, fast-tracked them into residential care. And my granddad, who was, you know, codependent on my grandma because of mobility issues, very, very common story, um, followed um, my grandma into residential care and uh, unfortunately my grandma passed away quite quickly um, thereafter but something happened with my granddad which was fascinating and um, because his medication was now well managed he was you know at home he was either over medicated or under medicated so you know really not engaging in life um, once he went into residential care medications managed um, activities started coming, you know, becoming available to him, and he really started participating in life again um, with that meaning, purpose, wow. engagement, which was really, really cool. But as a family member, we were 800 kilometres away, and we didn't have this window into this, so we had that worry, that guilt, that anxiety. So with the you know, I guess the collision of my personal and professional lives, I had 440 staff all doing an amazing job. I had a family where, you know, I'm like, surely that's happening for my, you know, loved ones that they're there having, you know, but we don't have a window into this. I just wonder, you know, could technology play a part in this? And I used to do something with my 440 staff. 
and that was I used to record these little video clips because yes. uh, I wanted to feel connected with my staff. I wanted my staff to feel connected with me. So I recorded these little video clips and I'd be just standing on the side of the road or whatever and I'd get my phone. And I was so bad at it. I recorded my videos in portrait mode, you know, like that. And then you load it up to YouTube and it looks, you know, terrible. You, you were learning, right? Yeah, yeah, I was learning. I was learning. So, but, but, you know, it was, it was a bit rubbish, but it worked, right? And I just, oh, hey, it's Ali, you know, just give them a bit of an update. And um, it was so fascinating. The staff felt more connected and more informed. And I guess I, I, it was that where I was thinking, gosh, you know, technology, even in its most simple, simplest form, yeah. can really act as a conduit for supporting connection, for collaboration and building relationships. So there were just some of the thought bubbles. And then what happened is I sat down with a glass of wine on a Friday afternoon and really just wondered, what if? And that's how it started. Wow. And it's amazing that the best ideas are the ones that come from solving really important problems that are important in our lives at that moment in time. And, you know, I remember the time when you launched Care App, there were other players already doing it mm -hmm. and they were all trying to break into this market. Um, what do you think, and some of them are no longer in the market, mm -hmm. what do you think separated you from them was it an understanding of the industry because you've been in it because some of these players no one had ever like because i knew some people that i read their stuff and yeah. some came to me for advice at the time and i was like oh, it's just it's not my area of expertise i don't quite understand i mean obviously i understand tech yeah but you didn't understand tech no. you've openly said i didn't know anything about tech no. but i just knew i needed to solve this problem yeah what do you think I guess, what, what do you think the differentiator was for you surviving now thriving, Yeah. right? And actually getting adoption, which regardless of whether it's a bloody great idea or not, and how big a problem it serves, solves, that is a win in itself, getting people to adopt. And, you know, you guys went after the revenue side mm -hmm. to, yep. to monetize, which, you know, again, harder than <laughs> begging yeah. investors for seed and going out and doing a cap raise of $20 million or whatever. Yeah. So what do you think was the edge for you? Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think this um, understanding of, you know, customers and customer problem, but it wasn't just the fact that I had, you know, worked in the industry um, or the fact that I had lived experience with my grandparents. CareUp started with like literally, you know, a lead pencil and some, you know, piece of paper and $3.50 coffee with a care worker and um, I sat there with him and in fact I've still got a relationship um, with Vince to this day and catch up with him you know later this month um, to really understand what the experience is like for him um, and we continue to do that um, every step of the way even you know now with you know 35,000 people connected on Care App now. We 35,000. Yeah. I, I was writing down to ask you. Yeah. That's amazing. It's pretty cool, isn't it? When you say it, thank you very much. When oh, you say it like that. I when you were trying to get your first thousand. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. That was, that was only like three years ago, two, two and a half, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, you know. Oh, that's that's actually really, really good. Well done. Thank you. Also, what it is, is there's 35,000 people that are able now to have an experience with their loved one. And I, what I love, it, it does remove that anxiety. And you know, I remember my, my grandmother, when she got dementia, you know, we couldn't care for her at home anymore. And she went, and it was really hard because obviously, you know, dementia is really hard to deal with anyway. But, you know, it was the ability, and, and we lived here, so it wasn't yeah. like hard like you were 800 kilometers away. Yeah. But for us, it was that traveling to and yeah. fro. 
you know, and I used to make it a thing. Every Sunday we'd go in as a family to see it. And it would have been really nice to know what else was going on throughout the week. Yeah. Um, and, th- and that's why I think this, this is a really big problem that needs to be solved. Not for all the reasons that people want to solve for. So I know that there's lots of people that, you know, there was all those scandals around whether people were being looked after or not being looked after. One. But like you said, you, know, you had 400-odd people that worked for you that were all doing the right thing. Yeah. So it's not about the right thing. It's actually about the positive stuff that we can then have this... You tell me. Why am I telling it? No, no, no. I no, think you it's, tell it's it better so than I do, so And it's so important that you've picked up on that because the narrative in aged care and also in disability is one of horror, distrust, um, and yes, there is absolute reason you know, for that to exist. But it's a bit of the 80-20 rule, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't even think it's 20% of it. That, that I reckon that, it's but, probably like you know, 5 10%, abso- right? Absolutely, yeah. and that's what's getting the, the story and that's what's getting the headlines and what, what is driving fear with, with families. Um, but, you know, for the most part, beautiful care does exist. And, um, you know, it's a great privilege to be able to bring that to light, to be able to share that that does exist. And it's really interesting, like, being able to give care workers the tools to be able to showcase the beautiful work they do, it motivates them, it excites them. They get, you know, they're rewarded and recognised for what is a really, really difficult job. And, uh, you know, just a, a small little, you know, thanks or note of appreciation, you know, it, it's, it's a very small win for a really, really important job and role that they play in the community. Everyone wins. Absolutely. That's, when I listen to you say that, I'm thinking everyone wins and they win because my favorite word of all time, accountability. Yeah. And it's it's not just about saying the word, it's about living and breathing it. And I think that what your application can do moving forward across other industry sectors <laughs> is, is, is create a conversation, a dialogue mm-hmm. that engages, but more so over time builds a level of accountability because people, with, it's not, you're not being watched, no. but you're participating. Absolutely. Right? And so I think it allows you to distinguish who the great and the good are. Yeah. You know, this is not about the poor and the good. This is about the good or the great. You know, it's kind of Jim Collins' research study all in one hit. Um, I love that. And so when, when was that conversation with you and Vince and that coffee and that lead pencil? Yeah. So that, yeah, that was in 2017. And um, we, you know, had the opportunity to, you know, take that and build out a very, very first version of CareApp. And it was really, you know, it was not the most beautiful application, I can tell you that. It was lime green and white. And I'm not, and I'm not dismissing, you know, WhatsApp's, you know, colour palette. Like, you know, it works and they're extraordinary. Um, uh, but CareApp's first version was, was lime green and, and white. Um, yeah, that's yeah, orange, red... Yeah, orangey, teal, but there's a huge amount of white in there. And actually, CareApp yeah. is a really beautiful looking platform. Like, it's, it's a really mm-hmm. pretty and attractive platform to engage in. And we're, we're incredibly proud that we've been able to do that. But the first version of it, you know, wasn't so pretty. But what it did do was it, it proved, you know, um, that, you know, care workers had a, had a voice that they wanted mm-hmm. to be heard. And um, it proved that efficiency could be created with technology. Um, it demonstrated that you know this was a legitimate problem to to solve, 
And the other thing and the most important thing that we got out of this, people are like water and they will follow a path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And what happened was that they started using CareApp in unexpected ways. Okay. And um, that's where we really began to learn, you know, some of this user behaviour and, and where else this platform can continue to add value. So initially, CareApp, you know, was very much around, um, you know, probably capturing more some of the observations that would, you know, care workers would see. So the observations, right? Yeah. But everyone now knows CareApp for, you know, sharing and capturing and sharing beautiful moments that happen in care. And that was a learning that we had really, really early on because our care workers were actually using care, not just to capture the observations of their visits and things like that, but actually to share and showcase the great work that they were doing. Which therefore then helped people engage with their loved ones because they were actually able to see what was going on. Absolutely. Like you spoke about dementia before and um, dementia is a really personal part of our lives. We, we um, have um, a family member with really significant um, dementia so it's a very personal experience um, for us. But one of the, the great things about what CARAP is able to do for family members you know, who do have a loved one with dementia is instead of like, you know, connecting with your loved one and trying to you know, understand what their day has looked like, you actually know what their day has looked like. And so you can connect with them and say, well, like for me with my granddad, but like, oh, granddad, I saw you, you know, you jumped on your scooter and you went down Vines Road and you picked up some oranges, right? Which is what he would do. You know, a bit random, but you know, you'd do that yeah, and you'd say, be able to connect scooter, that. Yeah. Are you talking about the scooter that he sits in or the scooter that you can hire and swap your phone and wear a helmet? Oh my God, now that is a visual and a half, isn't it? See my granddad on like one of those scooters? I yeah, would love what, to have I thought seen we were using screwed up the hand. If he's like you, <laughs> We might get into a skateboard <laughs> conversation later. I just had this because obviously we're talking yeah. about skateboarding. Yeah. I'm like, hang on a minute, granddad on a scooter? Yeah. So you mean the scooter sitting down, yeah. hyper supercharged at like 40k an hour, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That makes me feel yeah a little bit safer. Yeah. Yeah. So no, <laughs> on the uh, on the typical you know grandparent scooter, yeah. not on the uh, the one we whiz around in the in the city. In the CBD. Yeah. <laughs> but that is cool. I wish you had done that. <laughs> Maybe you should you have that as a moment. Speak to the carer and go. Can you just get him on one of these things and then we can, it'd be a really cool video. It would be. Um, it would be. probably go crazy on YouTube too. And I'm sure, <laughs> sure your children would find I would that. Be, really I would cool. be sharing it on our socials. Look at this. You know? <laughs> this is what you Living get. your best life, even though you're 80. This, just as a matter of interest, do you, does he use Kara? Or is it, so just, just for people listening, yeah. can a, a patient, or let's call them patients, yeah. can a loved one be using the platform as well? So, or is it just a carer to family member yeah, conversation? Such a great pickup. So the answer is yes. Um, in CareApp, you can. So one of the things that we do really well at CareApp is we like to think that we are ahead of the curve, that people can understand and see what the future might look like mm-hmm. and see how the care experience can be, you know, uh, more connected and beautiful, but not so far ahead of the curve that people are like, my God, that sounds a bit like out there. I don't know, understand you that. become metaverse? Yeah, like that, yes, like that, that exact thing. So it's just, you know, slightly ahead of the curve that people yeah. can go. So I think we're at a really interesting, you know, period um, with adoption of technology um, with our seniors. So we've got, you know, a cohort of seniors now who are not, you know, they don't have strong technical literacy mm-hmm. skills. Um, they do have maybe some curiosity around using things like tablets and whatnot, but not strong adopters of technology. And then we'll have, you know, as our baby boomers come through, 
you know, they'll probably, you know, really drive their care experience and they'll drive it through using... Very interesting transition for It will, yeah. So I, could, I could see a lot of them wanting to be involved in that. But wow, imagine, you know, imagine your own social platform that is private and secure but gives so much more. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? I think you're right. As those baby boomers come in, that connection with that. Yeah. So know. we've got our first lot of early adopter seniors now, mm-hmm. you know, jumping on, on CareUp and using it. We've also entered in the disability space now as well. So that's, a you know, a completely yeah. different cohort um, wow. that we're now working with. Um, obviously, you know, many of them have great, you know, uh, technical literacy skills and, and can jump on but we're you know we're early in disability um so yeah we we have some senior citizens that will jump really? on and use care but it is an emerging and developing part but it will become a a major focus moving forward uh, the reason why i asked that question is that i really wanted our listeners to see by listening to you about how passionate you have to be about that learning curve mm. and what i really enjoyed is that you know you made that that really clear distinction that you've got to evolve through learning. Absolutely. You know, some of us call it failing forward. Some of us call it testing and retesting and, and learning. Yeah. But I think what it is, and you really put that well, is this evolution through learning. And in technology, that is a big one that you have to. And also what I love is that you're not set in just your own way. You know, like, And I think that's what makes this such a beautiful, unique business is that you're able to evolve. But I think that's a very good description of you. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, you know, you've thrown yourself at this and I guess I've had the opportunity to know that you you get counsel from as many people as you can Mm. to help you get to where you are now, but now you're listening to the users. Yeah. And so many people fail to listen to their users and you sit there and go, hang on a second, you're filling a need, you're solving a problem, but you're not listening to the people that are using it. Yeah. Explain that one to me. And people look at me and they're like, that's a good point. I'm like, no, no, but just explain that to me. So what, what do you think, I mean, you built it for the people. Yeah. It's so obvious from how you just you know, you described self at the beginning. What value do you believe your business is adding to the world then? If you were to try and encapsulate that into a phrase or a word, yeah. what would that be? My gosh. Um, what value? Um, I think... You know, we're respectfully challenging the status quo on what the care experience should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we talk very much about beautiful care at Care. And I think historically, um, care has been, you know, transactional and it's mm-hmm. been highly medicalised. So if we think about the, you know, what care services are, provision of meds, transportation, personal care, so having a shower putting some food in a person's, you know, freezer, you know, all of those, but all very, very important, basic human needs. That's yep. where I like how yep. you phrase that. Yeah. Yep. So, but they're transactional. And I feel like that gets someone to the starting line, right? That gets someone to the starting line of their, their day. So if we're now showered and we've, you know, our hygiene's all in, you know, good nick and we've taken our meds and we've had a bit of breakfast, what's next? Like, why are we doing all of those things? And I guess that centres around what we really believe, which is this notion of living beautiful lives, you know, beautiful care. And that's around meaning, purpose, engagement, mm-hmm. doing cool stuff, you know, putting a smile on your face, having a laugh. And that's activities, that's, you know, um, experiences, that's connection, that's friends, family. 
and uh, I think that's what Care App is bringing. You know, interesting. I've is that where Care App was bringing, but is I'm just cautious. It's a podcast. We're filming. <laughs> no, I, I love I, what you just said to me. Is intrigued me because. And I know I'm going silent because I'm just trying to rephrase what I want to say. It sounds like there is another user experience that you're developing. Am, am I am I onto something here, or am I, <laughs> or am, or am I just planting a seed that isn't there? No, no. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you've picked up very, uh, you know, throughout throughout this that we are always evolving, we're yeah. always learning, and we maybe don't something stand you can't still. talk about. But I, I and I actually don't know anything. Here, so yeah, I'm, yeah. Just I'm listening, and I'm like, okay, you're either onto something that you haven't worked out but you're highlighting or you're already working at it yeah these activities these these you're about to add another layer i'm assuming somewhere along this journey i think it's a, it's a really interesting concept that you're you're talking about here because you know care App is all you know we're well known for being able to capture and share mm. those beautiful moments so what else can we do as a platform to enhance and support that do we continue how do you lead that how yeah do you lead it, right? that's so, exactly right so i'm all about leadership right yeah. so one of the biggest things that i focus on with my clients in particular is how are we leading the conversation yeah there's no point in just being the solution yeah how are we leading it how are we taking people on a journey that they don't quite know that they're about to go on yeah how do we support them and that's i hadn't thought of this until you started talking then when you said that i was like you're onto something already like you have to be and if you're not I've just planted the seed, and I've got, I don't think I've planted the seed is kind of where I'm going with this. And we might leave that for another conversation, unless you want to share whatever it is that I may have picked up on. But is it something that's in the pipeline? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay, care, good, absolutely. Good. Yeah, we, we're very firmly. I can kind of see how it's unfolding. My, yeah. my mind is just racing. I don't know if you can see it. If you're watching yeah, it, it is. on it video, is. I can see it. you'll see it. And you're excited by it as I'm well. I'm totally excited by it yeah. because... Well, I'm excited about it because it's absolute monetization, right? But it's also gifted around user experience. Absolutely. And it's about creating a better life for someone, which is, I've got goosebumps all over me. You have you summed it up earlier. You actually want people to live a better life. And, that, and I don't think that's your OT training or your, your, your relationship. I think it's much earlier. And this, this one I'm going to ask you this question. What in your childhood then shape the type of entrepreneur business person that you are now oh wow that's really that's really interesting that you ask that i reckon i may have had some of the innate qualities of what you know people perceive entrepreneurs to have i think i, I think they showed themselves quite early mm -hmm. on as a as a child i think um the thirst for learning um, the idea to unpack and understand, to not accept that things always have to be the way they are, that mm -hmm. maybe there is something more or better or different or, you know, curiosity was always, curiosity. was right there. Um, there was an appetite to take risk um, as well. But I think something that we have also balanced really well at CARAP and I hope we continue to do um, is we balance... Um, uh, risk with thoughtful consideration so it's not um, you know in, in everyone says oh Ali you know you're you're a natural risk taker and I think to a certain extent I am like I'm prepared to fail I'm absolutely prepared to fail and I'm prepared to cut 
you know, cop that on the chin. But I see that as, you know, my next step in learning. Um, my next, you know, you don't, you know, get great steps in, in learning by being successful all the time. You have to be prepared to test and trial new yeah. things, right? Um, so there was always an appetite for risk. And maybe that showed itself by being an excellent tree climber when I was five, you know. Right. You know, those kind of things, like that sort of thing. Okay. Comes I, back to... I'm now thinking tree climbing, and some of the other stories that I know and I've heard, <laughs> and I'm thinking... This woman loves danger, right? No, no I think it's yeah, an thoughtful. Of, I think it's an element of courage, actually. I, I, I just, as you were talking about, I had a very vivid memory of the, one of the first few times that I spoke to you. And I was like, this woman has blind courage. But not from a, not from a you know, a negative position. Yeah. Like in, in our space, blind courage is actually a badge, mm. okay? And I remember because I was listening to you and I thought, I'm trying to trying to remember where it was and it just comes to me me and my crazy memory and I just remember I was like I like her courage and I and I've seen you go through that I mean you know anyone who gives up their career to go into startup <laughs> land is borderline insane yeah um, but you have to have this curiosity but this courage yeah this, this badge of bravery you know um, Brené Brown talks about it a lot uh, in her way, in her work, but it's um, it's phenomenal, and I think that's what you're demonstrating. But can do you reckon you can? So you're, you're you're pinpointing it to your incredible ability to climb trees at the age of five. Is there something though that triggered? I mean, what was your childhood like? Is there something in your childhood that you would go? You know what? That's what gave me courage, or, or I didn't want to be like that, or I wanted to do this. Yeah, because that's where our purpose, or, yeah. or, our origins I, of our purpose are there. I, I don't, I don't think there was an ever a defining moment. Mm-hmm. I'd say, um, but I had a, I had a, I had a brilliant childhood, um, but I spent most of my time, you know, trying not to be in the classroom. So yeah. I would um, be involved in every extracurricular activity mm-hmm. that meant that I didn't have to be. You went to Scotch, didn't you? I did, yeah. yeah I finished so, my. So you would have had plenty of grounds to disappear. On. Yeah, well, that was that was from my senior school, but not in my junior school years, not in my my formative right. primary years. I wasn't yeah. at Scotch, um, but uh, yeah, did every extracurricular activity to avoid being in the classroom. Um, so I was, you know, heavily involved in sport, in music, all kinds of music, all kinds of sport, because um, I didn't particularly like being in the classroom, and um, I actually struggled um, quite a bit with spelling. Um, and you maybe look back at my time at school and maybe put a little question mark over whether I was a bit dyslexic. Yeah. Um, and uh, so anyway, I really, really disliked being in the classroom. Um, I was, I had a good time at school. I was quite sociable, I loved chat, that kind of thing. But I didn't like particularly failing spelling tests on Friday mornings. Oh. And uh, so what, what, what? Set you up for the weekend. Didn't absolutely, you? <laughs> absolutely. So not not my favourite, you know, yeah. morning Friday mornings doing my spelling test. Um, but what actually was really interesting. So I, I actually got this bit of identity that you know I'm not you know terribly smart you know in primary school because I wasn't strong in some of those you know more basic kind of things. I was very very strong in the you know creative. So I was um, I was very good in art. I was quite quite good at PE and so I spend my time there but not good now but as I got you know further towards high school and in fact the last couple of years of high school I actually did exceptionally well um I got the academic prizes um I was it discipline 
Um, yes, it was discipline and focus. But what was really interesting at that point in time, I'm starting to do subjects like economics, um, subjects I find really interesting, um, subjects that I feel like resonate and I connect with. Um, maybe that provided that focus or purpose or connection or I just got it. I don't okay. know. Computers became a thing, so spelling was no longer a thing. Yeah, um, now we're showing our age. Yeah, I know computers were it became a thing. Um, so off I was, you know, <laughs> typing away. Email. Absolutely. I, that. I, I discovered email just after I left high school. I was like, and I look at my son's already got an email address, and he's six. I know my, my daughter now emails me through the day. I'm like, oh my god, when that first happened this year, it blew my mind that I got this email from Liv, and I'm like, oh my god, this is my daughter. Email her back, but she uses it like a messenger. Like she doesn't right. do all the pleasantries around it. It's just a real like, yeah, you know, where should I meet, meet you for pickup, mummy? Yeah. It's, it's interesting how children do that, by the way. Yeah, I write emails like that, and it's taken a very long time for people to get used to. I just, I've got no time. Yeah. So there's no hi. Yeah. You know, if I'm writing to someone and I need something, I write dear. Yeah. Right? Because to me, that's, you know, I'm actually, I need something, so I'm going to be really nice. Yeah. But even my staff, it's taken them so long to get used to. And don't write back to me with, hi, Christian, I do, I know you're writing to me, so it's okay. <laughs> and it's literally, this, this, this. And it's really cool because children, my son does that. I mean, what blows me away about children today is my son uses Siri. Yeah. Yeah. To, to ask a question, whereas I still get my phone and I type. Yeah. And he looks at me and he's like, Pa, I'm like, what there? I actually have an EA, so I just have to send her a message to do my work for yeah. me. He's like, yeah, but you can just use Siri. I'm like, start, I'm like, does Siri know everything? Yes, Siri knows everything. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm we know, I know, knows this better than we know ourselves. Yeah, it's kind of like children, children blows, blow me away. And we're talking about childhood. Yeah. What have you learned by being a busy mum with children taking a leap of faith in, um, in your own business? I think it's made me a better mother. Um, I would with, say becoming a father's made me a better businessman. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I made... I struggle with being a father. It's something <laughs> I have to practice really, really hard. Yeah. Uh, oh, but you, there is that conflict. Since you think you've become a better mother, it's quite, that's brilliant, right? Yeah, I think, I, I think I've been... I, I'm a better mum, you know, because of that. You know, I get to show um, how you can create something from nothing. I can show them with a bit of, you know, persistence, courage, purpose, surrounding yourself with, you know, community mm -hmm. that you can, you know, achieve what you think may never have been possible. Um, and I think that's a cool thing for young girls to see. So, and we talk about, you know, the impact of my childhood and it actually has had an impact on what I'm like now and the way I contribute back so um in what way yeah so as a child I, I felt like being at school was a bit you know it's a bit tricky and being boxed in a classroom was like not my favorite thing to do highly creative great on projects all that kind of thing um now I do quite a bit of work with schools um around you know innovation and entrepreneurship and working with young students to show them what you know passion and purpose and opportunity and courage when those things you know come together what can be you created? love giving back and i can see it i, I, I and it's, i hope it's coming through for people listening yeah you d love giving back and i think that's what makes you uniquely special is that you are doing this for a whole bunch of reasons you know and even the speaking gigs that you're at it's never you're never talking on behalf of you and your company 
It's always on behalf of what you can do more for people. And I think that shows great leadership. That's level five humility. It's perfect. Yeah. What's really interesting, but, you know, it... I was very, very fortunate that as I started out with Carabao, I did have a beautiful community around me. And at one point, you know, because, um, you know, I'm a solo founder, you know, brought Carabao to life, um, seemingly on my own. Uh, But that's actually not the case. And Mm. one day I was sitting down and I was trying to create a PowerPoint presentation and one of the PowerPoint um, slides was actually going to be the face of everyone who had contributed, made a, you know, meaningful contribution to you know, helping me elevate, you know, my vision for Kara. And uh, I was going into everyone's LinkedIn profile and, you know, <laughs> copying and pasting their photos. Sorry, everyone. Um, and uh, it just got to the point of ridiculousness that it was actually an unmanageable That's task. really special because what you're saying is there were so many people that contributed to your learning, which is Absolutely. Amazing. And uh, I feel that if there is a way that I can do that for others... That that's a wonderful thing to be able to do, and the best bit, of, you know, I guess part, you know, best bit about it is you never walk away from those conversations, you know, without taking something really interesting or learning something more, um, or being challenged uh, or have a new idea. So there's a really fabulous. big lesson here that you haven't addressed because you were involved in it. Yeah. As an observer, when you came into the scene, which mm. I was obviously very heavily almost central at the time, Um, you didn't just turn up, you showed up and you stood in the middle. (laughs) And I think that's the biggest lesson to anyone listening who wants to actually step out of what they're doing is don't just step out and step in somewhere, actually do something about it when you're in there. Yeah. You, there was no shyness, (laughs) right? Like you, you you were there, you spoke to everyone, you engaged with everyone. You worked the room, but not in a way that you felt used, mm. right? And I, I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to explain this so people truly understand what it took for you to make that transition. And again, it's probably another compliment um, from me to you. That's really important. So many people I saw coming in were trying to get something out of it, whereas you were kind of like, as in, by, I mean, like I need to get that person's time so I can benefit. Mm. Whereas for you, it was like no. I really don't know much about this and I'm going to dive in and I'm just going to immerse myself with these people and create my own five people that I want to be more like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Jim Rollins theory. You are yep. the sum of the five people yep. that you hang around with the most. And for you, I think that was it. And it was, it was very genuine. Like at least it felt genuine to me. And I know lots of other people in this circle that we were talking to. That made you welcomed. And you know you, you built some really good relationships with the department, mm-hmm. um, which you, know, you guys I think you've been able to get some funding through Absolutely. those circles. You've made some really good friendships, you know, like uh, Heather, like yeah. Kenzie, and people like that that have really been instrumental in bringing everything together. That is a really important lesson for anyone listening, because it's not just about showing up. Mm-mm. Okay, it's about taking action, but doing it from a place that's genuine, because. We pick up the bullshit, right? You know, in that environment, you know, people used to tell me, oh, you're arrogant, you don't even want to talk to me. But you just want to use me. Like, if, if that's what I'm going to be, then if I'm just transactional, yeah. then you don't want to build a relationship. No, not at all. And the best part is, you're in the business of building relationships. Yeah. Care Up is about bringing people together. So, I guess for anyone listening, this is where it's all gelling for me, is that, you know, you're, 
you really are living your company's purpose. And your company is a reflection of who you are and all the people it connects with. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really interesting. You, you made me reflect back on a time very, very early on in the, the Care App journey. And I was in a boardroom in Sydney and I was pitching Care App. Yeah. I'm very, very early How on. many of those pitches have you done? Oh, <laughs> I haven't pitched for a while now. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually really looking forward to doing it again. Mm. I kind of miss it. Um, but I haven't done it for a while, but it was one of my very, very early pitches. Really, really well received. Except I got this really odd bit of feedback. And um, the bit of feedback was, Ali, that's, that's fabulous. But you seem a little bit too empathetic. And I'm like, oh, you know... And I said, okay, that, I said, that's really, I said, that's really interesting. So I take that as a, as a compliment that I, I really, really care about our potential users and customers. Um, but let me, can, can you unpack that a little bit more and how, how you see that um, as a concern? And they were like, oh, I was just wondering if that, you know, get in the way of commercializing or monetizing your product. Got a lot of investors. Yeah. And um, I was like, wow, that's, I mean, that's, that's really an interesting observation. Maybe not the right investor. Correct. And also, like, I feel so strongly that if we do really care for our users and our customers, and we are, you know, working towards always providing great value and an exceptional experience, you know, value is rewarded um, and it's rewarded um, through payment, you know, ultimately in the day, and we, we proved that last year after we, you know, went to great lengths to, you know, ride the, you know, the challenges with the industry, we're right there in the trenches with them, and ultimately we were rewarded, were rewarded with that with payment. Um, but yeah, it was so interesting. Um, I think uh, it's a it's an interesting concept to be like, gosh, empathy considered maybe. A weakness where, in my view, it's a great strength. Hence why I immediately said wrong investor. Yeah. In, in this line of work, you know, God, I'm, 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 as an investor and, you know, um, as someone who's been on the other end of both ends of my own yeah. journey, one thing, and this is another great lesson that you've just highlighted, being able to identify whose money you should take when you are building something, regardless of where you're at in your life. Yeah. You know, um, is really, really important. And also, investors need to be aligned with your values. By their standards, it's probably really good advice, but it also got you thinking. Yeah. That's also the other part of that. And so I think that, you know, those that in particular investor made a good point. And for you, you've been able to reflect back on that and go, no, we're going to stick to our values and this is what we're going to do, but I'm going to take that on board. Because, yes, if you're too heavily invested, you may not be coachable and therefore... You know, if people are looking for a 20x return yeah. for their dollar, well, then that may be a challenge. And then I think, you know, it also comes down to the people that invest. I mean, I'm, I'm a terrible investor sometimes because <laughs> I invest in the people. Yeah. You know, I'm a big believer in the founder, you know, and if I, give, if I invest in someone's idea, even though I have done this before, I've invested in terrible ideas, uh, but invested in the founder lost money yeah but the third iteration of the product by that founder has made me all the money back plus 10 times yeah and so people were saying well, why do you take that risk my accountant says why do you take that risk yeah it's a risk you don't need to take and i'm like well it's small yeah in the scheme of things but 
my objective in life, my purpose is to live with purpose. Yeah. So I want to teach everybody else to live with purpose. So I'd be a hypocrite if I don't invest in someone who I believe in. Yeah. Their idea might be shit, but you know what? I can coach them to something else because you cannot replace good values. A good person will iterate on their idea. They will put out, you know, um, some sort of low fidelity, you know, proof of concept, um, learn from it and iterate it from it. And if it's a shitty idea, I'm sure they will work it out pretty soon if they've got the smarts, you know, and that's and where it comes back to the person. Yeah, yeah, and, and so that, that's why, but I, you know, I always happily admit people say to me, it's so funny how you admit that you're a shit investor sometimes. I'm like... I'm a shit investor because as a good investor should only invest in a good idea. Yeah. Right? But you know what? You want to be a great investor? You've got to take the hits with those great people. Yeah. And that means you want to invest in the person. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's where a lot of people can see the merit in your application, but I think they see a far greater merit in the person that's sitting in front of me now talking on, 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 on today's show. We've all faced major decisions in our life that have resulted us in making choices, right? To turn left and to turn right and ultimately the circumstances that are around us do not actually govern us. You know, mm-hmm. there's this misconception the circumstances govern our outcome. Yeah. That's bullshit. It's decisions that we make. Yeah. What is a pivotal decision throughout your entire life that you think you've made that's led you to where you are today? Uh gosh, there have been there have been many. Mm-hmm. Um so one of them um, is actually when a new job opportunity presented um, to me. So this was, you know, early on in my career, mm-hmm. and um, I was working for what is now Medibank Health Solutions. Um, I joined as a OT, come bit of a regional sales manager, you know, because I had a the opportunity to, you know, what they perceived as selling, I perceived as problem solving, but ultimately right. brought extra revenue. Um, so I, was, I joined in at that sort of you know like low mid tier kind of level. I won quite a bit of business for them, and um, one day I was asked to go to the big boss's office, you know, off to their you know managing director's office, and in his office was the two IC, and I was like, uh oh, you know, what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> what have I done here? And. Um, uh, they said, Ali, we would like you to take on um, this project and lead this tender for us, this tender process. And it was a multi-million dollar tender process um, in an adjacent vertical to what we were working in. And uh, I took a deep breath and I'm like, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to take this on. I don't know much about it, but I know that um, I can... I can I can do this with the right people around me. And uh, I have worked my absolute tail off. And at one point someone said to me, oh, this is Ali, this is really good. It's a good learning exercise for you. (laughs) And I looked at them, I said to them, I'm not doing it for a fucking learning exercise. I'm doing it to win it (laughs) or we're not doing it at all. Yeah. And um, that was a moment in my life where I guess I realized I had the backbone and conviction and I don't know, grit to take on some of these what seem like Everest kind of tasks. Yeah. Um, so that, that was one sort of in my, my mid-twenties. 
let's fast forward to last year mm-hmm. to um, to COVID. So CareUp um, did a seed raise very very late 2019. We're all set for 2020. Um, I was uh, flying every other week, travelling around Australia, bringing on new paying um, customers to care. We're seeing a lovely, you know, trend line in acquisition of customers and corresponding revenue. Uh, yeah, that's nice. Is, you know, this is, this is, you know, only a few months after closing out our seed rise and we're just seeing this nice little, you know, encouraging, you know, trajectory. And then I'm sitting at the fringe on a Sunday afternoon, 16th of March. Uh, I think the 16th of March was the Sunday. Totally well, it wasn't quite shut down there yet, but the crowds were thinning. So we crowds yeah. were thinning. And um, we were seeing, like, overseas, this thing, coronavirus, I'm calling it corona back then, um, was, like, Armageddon. You know, that was... And I thought, oh, my God, like, if this Armageddon really takes off in our shores, um, we know what gastro and we know what um, the flu influenza does to age care like absolutely it's catastrophic it's catastrophic i thought if this coronavirus is you know like that or worse you know this is gonna this is gonna be a big big problem for us you know no age care provider is gonna take our calls um we you know what are we gonna do as a young emerging company and i thought there's only one thing you know that we can do and that is to ride this with them, get right down in the trenches. I'd lived and breathed the aged care experience. Um, and we decided to make care free to every aged care provider around the wow. country. Um, we popped that up out on Twitter on the Monday morning. Um, and uh, what we perceived to be, you know, I guess uh, a nice and supportive thing to do for the industry and was really, really well received. And, um, you know, we had a huge amount of, of interest and uh, <laughs> scaled, you know, incredibly, incredibly but that quickly. would a whole bunch of challenges too in terms of... Oh, my goodness me. Yeah. Do I, we don't have long enough to talk about the challenges mm. that are brought. Um, one of the things is the web-based version of Care um, was six weeks away from going live, you know. And uh, I'm like, oh, my goodness me. Like, how are we actually going to... How are we actually going to do this? I actually end up going back to my shareholders and saying, "Hey guys, this is this is the opportunity in front of us. Um, what do you reckon?" And um, they backed us in on it. And uh, for six months, um, we worked with no revenue and working our absolute tails off with our customers, hoping that they will convert. You know, on the thirty first of September, and they did. We had eighty five percent conversion. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So the pressure, the pressure that you would have experienced, and not only you as a person, but the entire company would have been significant. And we're not here to talk about that, but that level of pressure breaks people. And to know that you've come out of the other end, a better, stronger person for it, is a pure demonstration of courage but persistence and you know Jim Collins says luck favours the persistence and that is what's happened right so you made a really brave decision you obviously have very smart shareholders who have been able to go you know what we, we can do this and now you're going to reap the rewards of that transition um, 
business is not all flowers and rainbows. <laughs> and that's what we've already touched on. But is there a particular failure experience along your journey that has resulted in success today? There's probably many, but is there one that stands out? Um, a success that has... So a failure experience that has end resulted in success later, something that you've learned. Um, okay, this is not about technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be about bringing, you know, care up to life. Um, so I participated in a hyper accelerator, but hyper accelerator was a two day hyper accelerator, mm-hmm. like crazy, crazy, crazy. Total immersion. Yeah, total immersion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, I think it was nine mentors, many from the US come, um, nine different opinions, all, all sorts of things. So it was a really, really intense um, couple of days. So at the start, um, we were invited to pitch. Um, I pitched very strongly um, and the feedback was really, really good. Then I went through these nine mentors and at the end, we had to pitch again. This is to the live audience? This was, uh, this is, was the, no, this is not that one. Not this that is one. before yeah. then. Oh, is that before then? Yeah, okay, wow. before then. Yeah. Um, and I'll get to the one that you're, the conjugate one which you're mm. talking about, because mm. that was a, this was a learning. I think, was a, learning I think it was a huge step for you guys, the conjugate accelerator. Oh, it was the unbelievable. Rocky Ventures one. That, yeah. I, I saw you guys go from, are they going to make it, to, oh shit, they're going to make it. That, yeah. That was, and I was, that was in the room at that pitch. Yeah. Yeah, so this was... Because I was in the investment room afterwards and we were talking about it. Oh, really? Yeah, so this one that I'm, sp- I'm speaking about was um, uh, how long before? Maybe about nine months before. Okay. So eight months so before. So early. Early, yeah. really, really early days. Anyway, I got up and I went to pitch and I got like the first maybe sentence and a half out. I froze and I ran off. Really? You? Yeah, I know, I know. I know, it's on camera what somewhere. The, what was the trigger? Um, the trigger was um, that I didn't back myself in on this one. So I, um, I, had, I didn't look after myself during those two days. Yeah. I had no sleep, no exercise. I ate like shit. Here comes the great learning lessons yeah. out of this. So anyone listening, make sure yeah. you listen to this. Um, and I... Uh, got my wobbly wheels on on who we were and what problem we were were solving. And I lost the conviction um, in that moment. And because I'd lost, I guess, my North Star, my sense of purpose, mm-hmm. um, I couldn't pitch with confidence. And I just How'd you get it back? Um, it How did you took... recover from it? Because that's... Some people don't recover from it. Yeah, I did, I did. Well, I threw out the top that I was wearing. That was one thing. <laughs> That's gone. <laughs> um, I love how you associate it. That top is gone. Yeah, that top's gone. That went in the right. bin. So that was, one, that was one thing. And the other was I actually got some advice. Um, I um, met with someone who I'd met earlier in the ecosystem, Sharon Farrier. Yeah. You know, Sharon? Sharon was one of, my men- one of the mentors in the... In my think library. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I caught up with Sharon. She's great. Yeah. She's a pitching master. Yeah. And Sharon explained what happened. And um, she unpacked it with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was really good to just, you know, verbalize and dissect this moment because it wasn't, you know, something that would be expected of me that <clears throat> that's how I'd react in a, in a pitching moment. The other thing was nerves, but I think the nerves really, really got the better of me because of, you know, this loss of purpose. 
you know. But reaction. I think also you, you were immersed in two whole days, which, by the way, I believe in immersive learning, yeah. but not in immersive destruction. Mm. You know, like having owned several tech companies that, you know, back in the day we used to live on protein powder and, you know, uh, anything you could consume there and then. Yes. Now the advice that I give people is please don't do that. Yeah. Like go home, get some sleep, get some rest, get into it. And if, if we're going to try and do some bullshit hackathon, yeah. right, within a couple of days, then that's not really, that's, that's just exploitation. Yeah. Right. And I think you've got to be really careful about that because... And anyone listening is probably thinking, God, Christian's grown up. Um, <laughs> it's it's not about a sprint. Yeah. I've been sprinting my whole life. Yeah. You know, I used to run a, a 90 day sprint program and now I kind of get, I call it the 90 day marathon. Yeah. Because 90 days is a long time. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a I long time it. to start up. But man. it's kind of like you can't sprint for 90 days. No. No. It's, it's just not, it's not, not, and especially someone, you know, like I really have an admiration for women who are mums, who are wives, who are partners, who are, you know, and then go off and do this stuff. I mean, I'm very fortunate and blessed, as everybody knows, 85% of my customer base is female. Yeah. And I love working with them because they have a, getting getting someone to have a sense of deep purpose is so much easier when they're under so much pressure. Mm-hmm. That mental load is just full on. And, and I think for you, what you've been able to do is build an incredible amount of resilience from your failure experience. And it's made you better, stronger, more determined. You know, I wrote down determination. Um, you know, is it, would that be correct in saying that that is the grit you've developed from that experience is why you are where you are now? Uh, absolutely. And I'm excited about pitching, by the way, because that's what you're like, I miss pitching. Yeah, I know, I said that earlier, yeah. So mm. I had that, you know, really quite horrendous moment, which really shook my sense of self and confidence because... Mm. You know, something that I thought that I was quite good in was yeah. talking and verbalising, you know, telling the story. And I completely failed in that moment. And you just referenced the the conduit um, hyper accelerator that I was involved in. That was such a cool experience. How cool is that? Oh, it's just amazing. She's Absolutely awesome. amazing. So that was a five day hyper accelerator, eight months after I had, you know, had this horrific kind of fail. Um, and I had to pitch at the end and I'm like oh my god like I was terrified beyond belief but I also knew there was a couple of things um, that I'd learned from my earlier failures one was you know a strong connection to the purpose and problem I was solving not in the in a sense that um, I was arrogant about not shifting and changing and learning with it around market opportunity but that I needed to um, you know this is this is my reason for being around care at. Um, I knew to surround myself with, with other people, to eat well, you know, to get some sleep. It was minimal, but to get some sleep. But the other thing that I learned was how to manage nerves. Okay. Um, and this was a really, and this is something I actually speak to school kids about now mm-hmm. when, you know, they go on their little innovation journeys and we talk about, you know, nerves, what nerves are. And nerves are only, you know, it's only adrenaline. It's just neurotransmitters in our body, right? And uh, the funny thing is, when we're excited, we also get the same, you know, release of adrenaline and, you know. Um, and so now, and what I was doing before you saw me pitch, was I actually did um, a mindfulness exercise yep. to go, oh my gosh, I am super, super nervous. I am so nervous right now about pitching. I've just had this horrific fail. I'm going to pitch and blah, 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 all of, you know, that self-talk. And then I start going, oh, that's really interesting. 
like I feel my heart's racing, I've got goosebumps or whatever. Oh, that's, you know, that's adrenaline that's, that's playing in here. Um, oh, okay, if that's adrenaline, is that actually because I'm excited? Maybe I'm actually excited to be pitching to these people. They're, they're coming to see the story that I've got to share. Yeah. And, I, and actually, it's not a bad, it's a bad story. It's a pretty cool problem that you know, most people can identify with and connect with. Maybe they'll be really interested in what I've got to say. So actually starting to shift my thinking. Your mindset. You've, yeah. you've just taken a fixed mindset, turned it into a growth mindset. But what it is, it's this incredible gift that you've now been given around being completely and utterly aware. Yeah. Through self-awareness. Right, so that mindfulness, because I was going to ask you a question, when you're overwhelmed and unfocused, yeah. what do you do to get back? Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant yeah. share with everybody. I mean, and that's not just for school children, that's adults. Absolutely. You know, like people say to Christian, you're never, ever nervous. Man, I'm always nervous. It doesn't matter how many times I get on stage. I mean, every time I, I say something, um, I've got to be careful that a journalist isn't ready to jump on it and criticise my spelling. Yeah. You know, it's no secret. Um, and what did I do to combat that? I went out and became a writer for some of the biggest magazines in the world. Yeah. Why? Because that's how I deal with it. Because I've looked at life and gone, if I'm going to be shaken by adversity, I need to be better. Yeah. Right? And there's lessons you learn. You, you do stupid shit. You say dumb things. Pay the consequence. Some pay it with nothing. Others pay it catastrophically. But I love what you've just said here. You have been able to identify really by looking in and going, you know what? How do I learn from this experience? Then you've gone out and used something. So you've gone and gone, okay, I'm going to go and try mindfulness exercises. And then turned what is perceived as a negative yeah. into a positive to drive you. And that is brilliant. And you heard it right here today on the podcast, <laughs> right directly from Ali. Now, what new habit or what habit or behavior do you think has improved your life the most? That's actually really, really simple to um so starting care out and i talk about it being a beautiful accident and if i had said in three years i want thirty-five thousand people connected on the platform um you know and some of the other you know working with some of the largest providers around australia i would have thought it was ridiculous right unachievable but when i broke it down into what am i going to do over the next 24 hours to push me a little bit further down you know this goal of uh, you know that this vision that I'm seeking to achieve um, it it didn't seem so insurmountable I can do this over the next 24 hours and those 24 hours add up to a week which add up to a month which add up to a year and they don't just add in you know they multiply so basically taking your goals and chunking them into 24 hour tasks yeah or activities yeah or anything that gets a result to get you closer to your goal Absolutely. would be that but that you would want other people to develop. So if I can get to the end of today, for example, and go, okay, well, I did this awesome podcast today. That's really interesting because more people are going to hear about Care App. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a that's a great goal, and that is going to you know get us further towards you know achieving you know the vision that that, that we seek to achieve, which is to have you know as many people connected um, with their loved ones you know via Care App. Um, so yeah, we, we chunk it right down into 24 hours. And even if, it, if I do that with a, you know, as a mum, what can I do over this 24 hours to put a smile and a laugh you know, with my children? Uh, make sure that they feel you know, safe, loved, secure. Um, so it, yeah, it's chunking life down into those you know, 24 little units, 24 you know, hour units. And um, it makes it yeah. much I mean, more easy, easy to understand. Mm, I, I think breaking everything down to something that you can bite and yeah. digest 
and be able to take action on quickly is really, really important. Now, I know we're, we're running out of time. I know you need to go and we could sit here forever. Is there, I, I don't know, are you a reader? Are you a big reader? Not particularly. No, okay. Is there anything though that you've read yep. that you think would be impactful on someone else's life, be it in business or in life, anything in particular? Um, favorite. What's your favourite book? <laughs> and don't say Mills and Bones book because it's not going to benefit anyone listening to this podcast. <laughs> because I'm like, how did you know? How did you know? <laughs> the I only reason I know about Mills and Bones my mother used to read like a book a day. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, what in the hell are you reading? I mean, that's why I can't handle anything like that. Yeah. But is there anything? Um. So, well, it's probably a bit of a, a tricky one to to really think off the cuff, but um, I do look to Brene Brown or Richard mm-hmm. Branson, um, Simon Sinek, um, you know, for inspiration for particular things in particular moments. So mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like, you know, I need a little pick-me-up or guidance. Um, or do, actually, even Janine Ellis, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, I'll give you um, something that's been front of mind for me with her. So there's been, you know, quite a huge personal sacrifice that has come with building a company mm-hmm. um startup company probably know and experience and understand that that yourself right yeah. and at times that's a bit frustrating like oh my god like seriously like surely you know there is a far easier path that i could have chosen oh yes there could have been plenty absolutely <laughs> like the ot industry is going gangbusters you can't get enough of them you, you could be charging like 250 <laughs> bucks an hour and sitting in an office like changing young people's lives. I mean, sure, I can sit yeah. here and tell you. Um, but to, to reflect back on even people like Janine Ellis and some of the personal challenges she mm. had to go through in order to achieve what she was looking to achieve with Boost and, and her epic yep. um, retail enterprise now, Zoo, um, it has been you know a lovely little reminder that you know our journey, while seemingly unique to us, we're actually not alone. And that's what I love about the entrepreneur ecosystem Brilliant. is that, yeah, we're not alone. It is a unique journey, but we're not alone and it's a shared experience. I, I love the way you just put that because it's true. We, we're not alone. And I, I just want to say again, it is much harder for women. It's getting easier, but it's still hard. No matter how many quotas we want to put in, which I, you know, whether we agree on quotas or not, it is irrespective. Everyone needs to have the same opportunity, and it is harder. I, you know, I get the privilege of working with women every day, some in very, very high positions. You know, where they own hospitals, and, mm. you know, getting buy-in from private equity investors at that level. If they were a man, they would get you know in faster. And I know that people, a lot of my fellow men don't like me saying that. Yeah. But I've seen it firsthand, and I think it's bullshit. And I think we need to call that out. I mean, I've got a daughter, and I want her to have the same opportunities, exactly the same as my son. There yeah. should there should not be, you know. You know, I think I'm like I'm one of the lucky ones that has always lived with that philosophy in mind. And I took it for granted for a very long time. So, yeah, you you've got to shoulder a lot of responsibility. You've still got to raise your two beautiful girls, and and you've got to do that, and then raise all these other children in your business because you know they're all coming up the rank. They're looking to you as a leader. I want to leave our audience with with one final thought, and that is, well, one final learning. If you had three lessons that you could impart on anybody listening today, what would those three lessons be about life or business? Um. Okay, the first one is around making sure you don't 
loose connection with friends and family mm-hmm. on this journey because ultimately at the end of the day they're the people that you know will be your support your rock success or failure they will be the ones that will be there to ride that journey with you and um, i'm so so lucky that um, i've been able to have that support um, both people who i knew before i started on the journey but now this amazing group of people that i continue to ride that journey with a new bunch of friends and the tribe absolutely and uh, entrepreneur family and um, so that would be be one and um, the second is around um, that 24-hour piece that's a really powerful piece for me being able to shift the dial however big or small over the next 24 hours to get you closer to where you would um, like to be and the last one is sleep like <laughs> sleep cannot so be underrated. I know Oh, underrated. <laughs> no, sleep so important. No, I, 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 I've always look. I will never forget. They wrote an article about me twelve years ago, saying we found Christian's success secret to success. He doesn't sleep, and I've always been a five hour, five and a half hour sleeper. Yeah. But that is exactly what I need. If I sleep less, I'm a disaster. Yeah. If I sleep more. I'm a little slower, yeah. but I think you're right. Sleep sleep is underrated in terms of what it can do for you, but you've got to find what's good for you. Absolutely. Because that's important. Yeah, yeah? No, absolutely. I agree. I'm not, I don't need huge amounts of hours, but... Um, How many hours? Uh, oh, probably, I need probably six and a half. Ah, okay. Yeah, and so that, by the way, that seems to be the, the trend that I'm now seeing, Yeah. right? Like I've, I've crept up to that six hour and 21 minute mark. I yeah. know because I track my uh, sleep <laughs> and I track how many times I wake up, intervals. Yeah. And, but I vary from 5.5, yeah. 5, 5.5 to 6.2 roughly. Yeah. And there are days that I need to sleep longer and I sleep. Yeah. That's the luxury of being, you know, the owners of our own domain. Look, Nick, uh, Alison, I am completely blown away by how vulnerable and how amazing you've been in today. I think CareApp is heading absolutely in the right direction. It's 35,000 people that are engaging with the platform and using it. Uh, well, actually, probably engagement is probably higher. But I want to thank you for taking the time to come in today and, and sharing your incredible story, but also demonstrating to me that you are a better person than you were when I first met you. And that's amazing because you're already a good person and now you're heading to great. And, and, I, and I'm so grateful for you taking the time to hang out with us. And thank you so much. <laughs> thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Cheers. Are you ready to start taking action on your business? Would you like to spend more time with your family? Then call one 623 and start building momentum right now. I know you're busy. In fact, you are so busy that you don't have time to work on your business or yourself. Often tossing and turning at night, worrying about the how-tos and the cash flow. How on earth can you possibly get off the hamster wheel so that you can take a helicopter view to see where you'll be in 90 days, one year or three years from now. In this program, I will take you from sleepless nights to blissful sleep. You'll have more time with your family and you will have the clarity and direction so you can grow and flourish. Call 1-300-643-229 now and start building momentum.